Now's a good time to remember where the story of tequila started. In 1795, the first tequila distillery was opened by the Cuervo family. And 229 years later, Cuervo is still going strong. Family owned from the start. Same family, same land. Now's a good time to enjoy Cuervo, the tequila that invented tequila. Go to Cuervo.com to shop tequila or visit a store near you. Cuervo, now's a good time. Trademarks owned by Beckless AB to CV 2024, Proximo, Jersey City, New Jersey. Please drink responsibly. You're listening to DraftKings Network. The John Anik and Kenny Florian podcast. John Anik and Kenny Florian. I f***ing love them. I can't get enough of them. Let's hear that for us next. Big job there from Duffy and Frank Mir is hurt now. Oh, down goes Duffy. Oh, cold. Frank Mir does it again. Rock'em, sock'em, robots here. Oh, my goodness. I can't believe They're a couple of absolutely self-involved bull artists. Here are your hosts, John Anik and Kenny Florian. That show open implies that we are self-involved. Kenny Florian's a lot of things. Don't know that he's self-involved. It is the Anakin Florian podcast, though. That is the name of the show. It's episode 414. Presented by DraftKings. Great to have you with us on the DraftKings Network and on the DraftKings YouTube channel. Anakin Florian podcast YouTube channel and wherever you ingest your podcast on the audio side. With us for the program today, as usual, as we get ready for a monster pay-per-view, is Big Gun Brian Petrie on social media. You can find him at Brian Petrie MMA. Still a little bit sun splash stemming from the vacation. Now, where are you right now? You're in like, are you home? You're home. Yeah, I'm. I'm in Cincinnati. Had a local pool. You know, we got the swim club. Apparently, a lot of people don't know what a swim club is. It's like a Cincinnati thing. So, like, it's not a country club. It's a swim club. So it's. A private swimming hole, basically, is what it is. Uh, I grew up at one. I used to grow up one on the street. Now my kids are going, so we've been going that. But I'll be in Wilmington, North Carolina, right next to Kenny, about three and a half hours away from Kenflow all next week. So I'm excited about that. That's my vacation spot. I go down there and visit my grandma, and uh, it's awesome. Got a little condo on the beach. Nice, man. Swim yeah. club. So country clubs take all your money. Do swim clubs take all your money or no? No, it's not too bad. I mean, right. for a family of four, they're only open three months of the year. So, I mean, maybe it might be a little pricey, but no, it's it's fine. Yeah, it's good. All right. So a lot of things to get into today. I do want to get your thoughts, Bri, on the yes. main event last Saturday night between Kai Kata France and Amir Albazi. I know at this point of the week, you have had the chance to go back and watch that fight. Mm-hmm. Now, as we have said repeatedly, and perhaps this is sort of a thesis statement, about close fights mm-hmm. just because a close a fight is close does not mean there is not a clear winner kenny and i felt like this was a clear win for kai kata france mm-hmm. most of the mma masses agreed where did you fall on what was a competitive flyweight headliner last saturday night at the apex couldn't agree with you guys more i i picked albazi in our in our in our pick a main event challenge and then i had a little money on him as well and i i still thought kai won i mean i literally can make an argument for one kai i mean one round was albazi that was the third round very close rounds, but I thought four and five were clear Kai rounds. Uh, the way he ended uh, the fifth round with the aggression, he kept pointing the mat they were throwing. I thought he was landing the more effective shots. Albazi maybe was swinging a little harder, but nothing was really landed. He, you know, if you look at the stats, which I know the judges don't have the stats, it's overwhelming in Kai's favor. 
Uh, he stopped most of the majority of those takedowns and the takedowns he did, you know, besides the third round, he got taken down, maybe got his back taken a little bit. He popped right back up, stay composed. And uh, I thought it was a clear victory for Kai. I thought he looked really sharp in there. And, and I thought Albaz, this is a really good test for Albazi too, going five rounds. Cause that fourth round was his worst round. I thought, I thought he's right. shaking his arms out. He's maybe taking the round off. Cause you know, he's got a fifth. This is different. This is different kind of waters. I know Kai has never been five rounds in the UFC. He has been scheduled, but has never been. He looked like the guy that was prepared to go 10 rounds. Um, but yeah, I thought that I thought the judges missed on that one for sure. I had Kai four, one, three, two at the worst. Kenny, Daniel Cormier and others have talked about the difficulty of that fourth round and getting to a fifth round. And we have seen D.C. at times maybe not be as active in round four when Stipe rallied in their second meeting. It was a forgettable round four for D.C. And I guess I can say it because I'm wearing a shirt today. But Amir Albazi, now that Brian brings it up, I kind of felt like, yeah, he was taking that fourth round off and Chris Lee gave him the goddamn round. I know that that's what's so crazy about it. And and. That's true. As a fighter, what you don't want to do is have no gas left. So you'll manage your time, you'll manage your pacing, you'll manage your energy in a certain round. Go, I want to make sure I got enough right. for round five. But here's the crazy thing. He he lost round four and he lost round five, yeah. in my opinion. I thought those were pretty clear. Obviously, he had a clear win in round three. But yeah, I mean, Brian, that's exactly how I saw it. And I think yeah. Brian makes a particularly more powerful argument uh, in some ways, the fact that he picked Albazi and he still fought yeah. KKF yeah. one there. So I, I don't know, man. Crazy. Cody, I do think over the course of the year, we should keep track of fights like this. Fights in which these guys are split that maybe go to the wrongful winner. You know, I'm not necessarily mm. saying that about Amir Albazi, but that's a $320 swing for Ken Flo. And right. uh, it's to the negative, right? Because he had a two-unit play on Kai Kata it's going to be interesting when we look at the end of the year, fights yeah. like that. I would and, love to have a tally of those close ones. And the Nurmagomedov one was pretty close, too. You, you know, yeah. I don't know. So anyway, right. I, I don't have a big problem with that one, but uh, this yeah. main event crushed me. Yeah. yeah, that was a close fight, too. Only reason I don't bring that one up is because you both were on Abubakar Nurmagomedov, whereas in this instance, right, yeah, he was on Amir Albazi and uh, as such uh, a pretty big swing for Kemplo. So I just want to share with you guys and the audience very quickly. So Roger Kroll is a good friend of mine, formerly with American Top Team. Now he runs the MMA Science Academy, which is about five minutes away from the Lioness Studio. I was at Fortis MMA in Dallas a couple of months ago, and I'm not sure I've ever had more fun than I did that night just watching pro practice. So I wanted to try to do it more. So I was able to go see Ronnie the Heat Lawrence and that team do their thing. And it's just cool for me to meet some of these fighters that are on the come up trying to get to the UFC. And then I was able to go five minutes away to the Lioness studio and see this unbelievable space that Amanda Nunes has. It's exceptional. And so clean, which, of course, maybe is neither here nor there. But if they wanted to put like a television or podcast studio, they got room for that. They got a sauna in there. It's absolutely beautiful. Ariane Lipsky was there. But I just wanted to sort of share this with the audience. And if you guys have any thoughts, so be it. I think there's a saying, and perhaps it used to be considered sexist when they would say behind or alongside every great man or woman is a great man or woman, right? And when mm -hmm. I think. Amanda Nunes, alongside every great woman, is a great woman. And this legacy does not materialize in this way without Nina. And Amanda is so willing to give Nina credit for everything she's done foundationally to set them up for success 
in terms of managing their money and everything else. But just in terms of like getting this space, it's like Nina's family owns the goddamn building. You know, Nina handles all wow. the. She is an absolute genius. She is pregnant with their second child. Wow. It's a man has his eggs this time around, which I think is pretty interesting. Heaven mm-hmm. forbid bring that to the UFC audience this weekend. I don't want to get in trouble, but I, <laughs> I, 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 this kid's going to look more like Amanda Nunes, whereas the last one looked like Nina. But I don't know, BP. I'll, I'll send it to you on yeah. this. These two together, they are so forged and so driven and have the most powerful yin and yang I've ever seen that uh, as a force, the two of them going in to, I think, their 11th straight championship fight, uh, it's a pretty impressive sight to behold. Yeah, I mean, after talking about the ugliness with Tim Elliott last week, it's really nice to talk about something so beautiful like this. Uh, partnership, you know, I'm I'm happily married with my wife. We've been together over 10 years. Her birthday was, was Friday, and uh, I couldn't do anything without her, you know, and I can't even imagine a career like Amanda has. And Nina, who was a really good professional fighter as well, decided, you know what, I'm going to take a backseat. I'm going to be unselfish. I'm going to run Amanda because Amanda's a champ, and we're going to have kids. We're going to start a family. You know, the unselfishness of that, the fact that she has a partner's back the way she does and i love watching the corner cams when like a fighter wins or whatever and just the excitement i just rewatched uh uh uh, nina get excited over the pena fight or whatever that just it just gives me chills i love that i love that they're uh they're together it's a beautiful thing and uh seems like a bond that can't be broken and and, uh i can't be happy i'm I'm happy they're having another baby as well seem like great parents yeah and kenny the whole time amanda just keeps saying nina can still be champion like Right. Yeah. Just always trying to push up her partner. It's a beautiful thing. No, absolutely. Anytime I've seen them together, you know, whether they when they were they didn't have a child, when they do have a child, they've just been amazing individuals, amazing people, amazing couple as well. And to get that right, I think is super important uh, and not an easy thing when you have one that's, you know, fighting full time another every once in a while, whatever. Managing all of those things is no easy task. And knowing that you have someone at home who can take care of business. You know, I'm super lucky that my wife basically runs the household, takes care of yeah. everything. When I'm gone, um, not an easy thing to manage. And, um, you know, the fact that they are doing it and doing it so well is great news. And congratulations to them uh, having their second child. Uh, that, that's pretty exciting, man. Mm-hmm. Amanda didn't speak a lick of English when they met. She was living, I think, at MMA Masters in Miami. And Nina sort of opened up her mind and her world in the United States and, you know, said, you can go to the beach you can come stay with me. They were friends for a while. And, uh, it's just a really impressive thing. And just to see them credit each other, uh, it was really cool for me to be in their space. And thanks to Roger Crawl and uh, just seeing all these other guys at the MMA Science Academy, like Ronnie Lawrence, right, splitting time between Florida and trying to get back to Tennessee and with his kids and everything else, just fucking grinding these kids, man. Mm-hmm. You know, just so much respect for all the fighters out there at whatever stage of your career, just continuing uh, on that grind. All right, quickly before we get into the predictions. Irene Aldana, Kenny, December 21st, 2013, Belang, Brazil. She fought Larissa Pacheco for the vacant jungle fight bantamweight title. We brought this up a lot on the Anakin Florian podcast, right? So it was the fourth pro fight for Irene Aldana 10 years ago. And I think it just speaks to Aldana's progressive readiness, right, for this opportunity she has this weekend. We're talking 10 years ago. Green as can be, she flies to Belang to fight Larissa Pacheco. Really has nothing resembling MMA miles at that point in time. Then eventually works her way to the UFC. She starts 0-2 in the UFC. At that point in time, she's 7-4 as a pro. 
And look at Irene Aldana right now. Ray Longo picked her to win earlier this week. Your thoughts on the total package, Ken Flo, Irene Aldana arriving at this monumental moment in her career. Yeah, to see her, you know, where she is now, um, she's accrued so much skill uh, over the course of that career. Um, and because of that, she's also way, way more confident and experienced. So uh, I, I think that a lot of people are sleeping on her a bit. I, I do think the odds are starting to come around. I mean, typically you don't see Nunes this close. Typically, she's a huge favorite no matter who she goes against. So we're seeing a lot of respect being thrown Irene Aldana's way. And for, and for good reason. You look at her ground game, her striking, how she puts it all together. Her confidence, her focus, her toughness, her durability during a fight. Uh, she's a beast, man. She really is. And I know the game plan now, BP, at least on oh, the Nunez side. I know yeah. exactly what they're going to try to do, but nice. we're going to keep that uh, close to the vest. All right. We have got like 16 or 17 successive weeks right now with UFC live events. It's amazing to see this fan base when there's like a late May weekend off. Mm -hmm. Nobody knows what to do with themselves on a Saturday night, mm -hmm. not to worry over the next four months. And to that end, it all begins this weekend at UFC 289. Sure to pack a punch with a marquee matchup between the reigning champ Amanda Nunes and the latest challenger out of Mexico, Rene Aldana. Who leaves Van City with the Bantamweight title? Well, you can place your bets right now on DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of UFC and new customers can make a $5 bet on UFC 289 and score $200 in bonus bets instantly. So many solid matchups on which to bet. A lot of two-way action coming in on the co-main event. Charles Dubronx Oliveira taking on Benil Dariush. How about Nate the Train Landwehr as an underdog, ladies and gentlemen? DraftKings Same Game Parlays, also available for UFC 289. That is when you combine multiple bets for a shot at an even bigger payout. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app, not now, but right now, use the code AFPOD. New customers can make a $5 UFC 289 bet and score $200 in bonus bets instantly. It is this Saturday on DraftKings Sportsbook with code AFPOD. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Massachusetts, call 800-327-5050 or visit gamblinghelplinema.org. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Kansas, 800-522-4700 on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort. In West Virginia, gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. All games regulated by the West Virginia Lottery. Please play responsibly in partnership with Hollywood Casino at Charlestown Races. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. 21 plus in most eligible states, but age varies by jurisdiction. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details and state-specific responsible gambling resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. Terms at sportsbook.draftkings.com slash MMA terms. All right, you know what it is, folks. Pay-per-view week. Let us get to the main event challenge. It's the main event challenge. And it. The time is most definitely The main event challenge. The John Anik and Kenny Florian podcast. Tired of snooty wines and their old wine culture? Confused by words like malolactic fermentation? Yeah, we are too. So with 19 Crimes, you can do the fancy schmancy tilt sip smell routine or don't. 19 Crimes is the rebel of wine and culture, telling the stories of rogues and rule breakers who overcame adversities. From convicts banished to Australia 
to the legendary icon Snoop Dogg himself, 19 Crimes Wine is defiant by nature, bold in character, and always uncompromising. 19 Crimes, the official wine of UFC. Pick up in stores nationwide or online at 19crimes.com. Enjoy responsibly. 2024, Sonoma, California. All right, so Kenny Florian owns 51% of Anakin Florian LLC. But after reading that DraftKings spot, Ken Flo, I'm taking 1% back. You got it. I'm taking 1% back, You got it. You got it. We can make that deal. Oh, my goodness gracious. I don't have a gambling problem. I have a gambling solution, right? Like, my local guy in Florida, he doesn't want anything to do with me right now. I mean... You know when the Boston Celtics lose to a rival like the Miami Heat because I'm always betting against the Boston teams to try to pay for wins. Let's just say uh, the guy owes me a lot of money right now. <laughs> You're doing okay. You're doing all right. Doing all right. All right. So uh, let us update the standings if we could. So, Brian Petrie, you started your night last Saturday, at least as far as the main event challenge was concerned. Uh-huh. 0-4. Yeah. So you're sitting there at one point, right? Yeah. 0 and 4. Yeah. Then you rally with a five unit hit on Alex Caceres. You squeak out the win on Amir Albazi. It ends yeah. up being a plus 200 week for you. But I got to ask you. Yeah. You're 0 and 4 going into mm-hmm. that third round. Alex Caceres, Daniel Pineda. Yeah. You got a five unit ticker. Yeah. On Alex Caceres. How yeah. was your ticker when all of that was going I down? Was standing up, five in the face. Standing up, sweating. The kid wouldn't stay in bed. I'm like, give me just give me a sec. Just play with that. Like, cause it's like he had him out. He hurt him to the body every time. And then it's like, okay, we and then all of a sudden Pineda will get a second, a third win. And the Caceres looked tired. I'm like, oh my god, this is the because I knew I started bad. Like, right. It was just a bad night from the beginning. And I needed that. And then the MMA guys graced me with some fluke decision in the main event because Kenny had extra units on Kai. So I'm glad I'm in the plus. I wanted to be a little more in the plus, had a rough go, but uh, yeah, we're glad we hit. I had a good read on Caceres. I thought that's kind of how the fight would go. Um, But yeah, uh, I was nervous. And no shame in cashing that Amir Albazi ticket. And to anybody else out there who bet on Amir Albazi, cash your ticket, right? It's a close fight. Cash your fucking ticket. All right. Team Florian drops a couple units on Kai Kata France. Kempo didn't think the fight was all that close. Uh, that was part of a two and three week. So minus 220 total on the week. Florian now uh, no. minus 215 on the year. And Brian Petrie is minus $2,730. So still a significant lead for Team Florian. As we come up on UFC 289, Nunes versus Aldana. Rogers Arena, Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada this Saturday, June 10th. And we begin, folks. With a featured prelim in the middleweight division, Nasur Dean Imavov, minus 135. Taking on Brian Petrie's guy, the action man, Chris Curtis, who is plus 115. Your guy, Curtis, coming in here off a competitive loss against Kelvin Gastelum not all that long ago, April 8th at UFC 287. Your thoughts on your guy in this spot here, BP? Oh, man. This is a tough one, right? Because, you know, I I love Chris. Um, Spoiler alert, I'm picking Chris. But when I break this down, it's tough because... Imanov is a guy who's 6'3", he's long, and he moves well. That has given Chris problems in the past. Uh, Imanov's a karate style, kicks a lot, moves really well. Chris is more flat-footed, march forward boxing, always starts very slow. I know it's getting hammered in Chris's head. You got to start fast. You got to start fast. Strickland has a win over Imanov. I know they're very close, 
Strickland's obviously in his ear. He'll be in his corner. The, you know, that was a five-round fight. This is a three-round fight. The big thing about Imanov, too, was he used to fall off a cliff. Cardio seems to be shored up a little bit as opposed to what it was in the Phil Hall's fight. I just think Chris needs to do Chris. Touch the body. Slow him down that way. Bring it up to the head. I think Imanov's power is nothing to be nothing to write home about. I mean, he landed 132 significant strikes on Sean Strickland. Didn't really cripple him. I think Chris has a really good chin. His head's bigger than my house. He can take a shot. Uh, and and I think, you know, he was very, I talked to him after the Gaston fight. He's very emotional after that fight. The headbutt was significant in his mind. You know, it was a big, his biggest fight, his biggest name. He fell short. He was contemplating, I don't know, got the new UFC deal, jumped right back in. So I'm a little curious of where his head's at how eager he is to do this this is a guy you're supposed to fight multiple times once in the ufc once outside the ufc this is a fight that he's been preparing for for a while i like chris by decision um he's a dog money there i'm not going to go extra units or anything i get accused of you know picking my buddy for extra units i'm not going to do that because i am a little nervous about this fight even off could use his footwork and this could be a three-round decision for him but i, I think chris is going to get it done Quick turn for Chris Curtis. He's been on the roster less than two years. He's already fought six times in the octagon. Connective tissue is Kelvin Gastelum, whom Imabov twice was scheduled to fight prior, once in a main event. That was back in January. Instead, Ken Flo, you may recall, Nasordin Imabov faced Sean Strickland. It was Imabov's light heavyweight debut. He does go the full 25 minutes but he was on the wrong end of a decision. Now back to 185 pounds where Imabov is number 12 in the world and favored to beat Chris Curtis this weekend. Ken, flow your thoughts. Yeah, I think his reach and his long-range weapons are, are going to be the tools of choice in this fight here against Chris Curtis, who uh, may not have you know the, the big reach or anything like that, but if he does get on the inside, he can definitely hurt you. Now, what Imabov can rely on from there is that tie clinch. He has an excellent plum. He's got excellent knees from there. Uh, wouldn't be surprised if maybe he tried to mix things up a little bit, try to put Chris on his back. No easy task there, but I think his main objective is to use those long-range weapons and use knees if they get on the inside. Uh, I think that's his best bit. I think he can pull it off here. I think where Chris might struggle is with his footwork and his ability to get on the inside consistently to land those big shots. I think his best shot is a little bit late in the fight. We've seen him move off, get a little bit tired late in fight sometimes, doesn't maybe pace himself like he should. So I, I think Chris Curtis can win this fight, no question about it, but I like him move off here. I just think he's got the right tools for the job here. All right, next up, we get to the pay-per-view main card opener, also in the middleweight division. Marc-Andre Barrio, minus 135. Eric, your boy, Anders is plus 115. All right, so 11th UFC appearance for Power Bar Barrio, training with my guys down here at the Institute of Human Performance. He has won four of six overall. 16th UFC start on the other side for Eric Anders. Looked great in a win over Kyle Dawkins last year. Mm-hmm. Now, Anders probably only has a few fights left in him. Bry, he has said he wants to be around when his kids are in high school, and that is right around the corner. But I expect him to perform well, close to fighting prime level in these final few fights. Wow. Your thoughts on Anders, slight underdog here against Marc-Andre Barrio to kick off the pay-per-view. Well, I kind of hope you're not right, John, because I've kind of written your boy Eric Anders off a little bit. He's had a long athletic career. I mean, this guy was the highest level of football, not only in high school, but 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 college as well, playing with Alabama. Now he's an MMA fighter. He's been he's been doing this for a while. And besides the Dawkins fight, the fights before that, I just don't feel like he's got it. There's no there's no like go get him. I know he's switching camps. He went from Alabama to, I believe, Arizona for a little bit. Don't know if he's still there or not, but 
I just feel like there's nothing there. The speed is really slowed down. The one punch power is not really there. He likes to clinch. There's real no true game plan in there. In my opinion, he goes in there. He doesn't want to get tired. So this is what I'm going to rely on. Barry on the other hand, I think he's made so many improvements coming to Florida. He had a fluke. He got knocked out by Chitty. He's usually, you know, rock solid. Chitty bang bang can knock anybody out. And then he ran into Fluffy Hernandez. Besides that, he's looked lights out. He's looked really good. Uh, good striker, tough, has a good guillotine, can work off his back if he needs to. I think Anders' takedowns are severely overrated. I think he's going to try for him. I don't think he's going to get many of them. But in the exchanges, I think he's going to have a problem with Barry. I think Barry is the better striker here. I think that's so much I'm going to go ahead and go three. That's three extra units on uh, Barrio. Um, I like him in this spot here. Low number. I don't like playing super chalk numbers uh, with extra units, so give me Barrio. Um, uh, 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 probably decision win because your boy is pretty tough, but give me Barrio. Yeah, let's go. Nicely done on that handicap, Brian, and uh, you're absolutely right about Marc-Andre Barrio's improvements. Just for the record, you said you were going to add three units, so but yeah. this is not a four-unit play. This is a three-unit three, job. Three, three total. I'm sorry. Right. Yeah, That's okay. Total. Just for So that is a $405 wager on Marc-Andre Barrio right. to yield $300. All right, Ken Flo, your thoughts on Marc-Andre Barrio here. The Quebec native competing back on Canadian soil for the first time in a long time, taking on Eric Anders. Yeah, Brian, as always, uh, did a great job breaking that fight down, and I agree with really all of it here. Um, I think for Anders, I, I don't know. I I would like to see some kind of a change in his in his approach or in his skill set, and I haven't really seen it. I know he's capable of doing it, but I haven't really seen those adjustments over the course of his career. I've seen, you know, him kind of look the same and um, skill wise, which I think was why you see kind of these uh, inconsistent results. Um, and against Mark Andre Barrio, MAB, um, I, I think you, you got to do something a little bit different. Um, mm-hmm. He's at least going to have to be aggressive, maybe pursue that takedown. Is he good enough to get that takedown and, and keep top position consistently without making mistakes? I'm not so sure. Um, I think Eric Anders really has to fight a, a pretty perfect fight here. Um, again, he's capable, but I like MAB's chances a little bit more. I think he's more dangerous. I think he's a little bit more athletic as, at this stage of both of their careers. So, uh, yeah, give me M-A-B. All right, both guys pretty convicted on Mark andre Barrio. All right, next up in the featherweight division, Danny Gay, modest 245. Ken Flo's going to lead us off on this one, by the way, taking on Nate the Train Landwehr, plus 205. So Ige putting his number 13 ranking on the line here against the as-yet-unranked Nate the Train. Landwehr on an absolute tear. Three straight wins, as many bonuses along the way. Danny Gay, the bigger name as far as the Octagon history is concerned. Twice he's headlined for the UFC, and he snapped a three-fight skid earlier this year. Did so with style points against Damon Jackson. Minus 245, though, the price on Danny Gay. Ken Flo, your thoughts on him here. Nate Landwehr comes back plus 205. I don't want to jinx this, but there's no way this fight is going to be a bad fight. I mean, the way that both these guys move forward, pursue the finish, I think this should be fireworks for sure. Uh, Hick Diaz, Hick Diaz, Nate Landwehr, uh, the the man, dude. uh, So exciting to watch. Very, very dangerous. Um, I think he'll be a little bit bigger than Dan Ige, I believe. Uh, But Ige can crack, man. He's got that knockout power. And I think the way that Nate Landwehr likes to move forward, he's got to be very careful, especially with those short shots on the inside, be it a a hook or an uppercut. Uh, That's where I see Dan Ige being very dangerous and potentially 
finishing the fight, um, or at the very least, hurting Nate. Um, Nate's got that durability, though. Uh, he has a great chin. He knows how to come back, fight strong, have that cardio late in the fight. Um but I, I don't know. I think if there's someone who can finish the fight, it's Dan Ige. I think he's going to be a little bit sharper on the ground. Um, and if he does end up on his back, I think he's going to be capable of getting back to his feet. Uh, Nate can kind of just be content to be involved in a crazy fight. And if that's the case, I think that favors Dan Ige a little bit more just because of that knockout power. So uh, I'm going with the favorite here again, uh, Dan Ige uh, against Nate. I like Dan. All right, chalk selection there. Dan Ige, minus 245 for Kenny Flory. And I have two predictions coming into the main event challenge today. One of them was that Brian Petrie would pick Nate Landwehr. And the other prediction is that Kenny Florian is going to pick Benil Dariush. So, uh, Brian Petrie, what do you have for us on Ige v. Landwehr? You are a smart guy, John. I love me some Nate Landwehr. I have him on my soundboard. I don't know if you boys are going to be able to hear this. Hey, hey, Nate the train, baby. I don't know if you guys oh, heard yeah. that or not. That's, okay. That's permanently fixed on my soundboard. I love this guy. Very, very tough fight for him, though. No joke. My capper brain, this is how I'm going to play this. I'm picking Nate for the dog points, of course. That's the competition. But for the listeners out there, Nate gets clipped early in the first round. Herbert Burns got him in the first round. Julian Rosa got him in the first round. He got shaken his last time in the first round as well. Dan Ige's got big power. You play Dan Ige round one KO, get that plus money. Um, it might be small plus money because Vegas is sharp nowadays. Get it early. That's a great play. But I think after that first round, I think Nate's just going to wear on him. Evaloff took Dan Ige down six times and just wore on him. And I know Nate the Train doesn't have the wrestling Evaloff does, uh, but he's got that pressure and that dog in him. His stand-up is getting better. He's confident. He's at MMA Masters. They're hyping him up. He's training with guys like Colby Covington. Uh, I like uh, Landwehr here just to make it ugly. It's going to be a close fight, I think, regardless. I'm I'm hoping the judges are going to be in my favor for this one because um, it's going to be a can scrap. But Nate the Train, baby, give me give me all of Nate the Train energy. Nate Landwehr right now plus 205 on DraftKings Sportsbook. A lot of propositions, round props out there on DK Sportsbook as well right now. Three fights to go. Featured battle welterweight here, BP, and the yeah. opportunity of a career for Mike Malott, minus 210, and Adam Fugit, plus 180. Malott is Canadian. Fugit on the other side, one and one of the UFCs, won five of six overall, 34 years of age out of Eugene, Oregon. And the only man on the other side to beat Mike Malott in MMA was Hakeem Dawadu back in 2014. Malott, two to one favorite here. Brian Petrie, which way are you going? I like Mike Malott. You know, Canada needs a guy. They need a guy. They had GSP for all those years, and they're still trying to find their guy. And I think this is a really good showcase for Mike Malott, who's an exciting fighter. I know he comes from Team Alpha Male. He's a good wrestler, good submission, has big power. For the biggest problem in his career was inconsistency. He was hurt a lot, didn't fight a lot. Now he's starting to put them together. And I think this dude could be could be a lock on any on anybody's card. I like Malat here. I was gonna go maybe extra units on him. I I chose to do a barrio instead, the other Canadian on the card. Uh, Adam Fugitz, he's a good fighter, but he's been finished his last two. I think Malat's better than the guys he fought. I think Malat has uh, Fugit likes to wrestle, likes to grapple. I think Malat can stuff all that. And I think, you know, I want to see Malat get out of the first round. Last two wins were in the first round. Right. Let's see what the cardio is. Let's see what he can push. Because like I said, I love Canada, right? Canada has some of the best fans in the world. They need a guy. And Malat, oh, yeah. with the showcase, this could be the guy. Good looking kid as well. Give me Malat. Uh, I like him by finish as well. So give me Mike Malat there. 
I don't know that Brian's overstating it, Kenny, to suggest that Mike Malott could be the guy. He's had some gaps in competition when you look at the overall career body of work, but looks like he could be a real contender, top 15 guy at the very least. Your thoughts on Mike Malott trying to hold serve as a 2-1 to favorite this weekend against Adam Fugit? Yeah, I think strong, athletic, well-rounded, exciting fighter to watch. Uh, I like him here as well. I just think he does uh, things better than Fugit at this point of their career. So, um, yeah, I I like Mike Malott. I like him so much, I want to put some extra units on him. Let's go with uh, three units on Mike Malott. There you go, Ken Flo. Get back into it, I like him Malott. I like that. You like hey. Mike Malott. So $630 wager on Mike Malott for Kenny Ford. Gorgeous. All right. Perfect. That brings us to the co-main event. I mean, this fight could hold up any fight card on its own. Mm-hmm. Benil Daryush, minus 130. Charles Oliveira, plus 110. Those are the odds I sent you, boys. Benil Daryush mm-hmm. is now minus 140, but you guys can have him at minus 130 if you so choose. Kenny, we're going to leave with you here. So do you guys remember when Alexander Hernandez knocked out Benil Daryush in 42 seconds in what was his UFC debut? So that's the last time Benny Daryush lost a fight. It was 2018, eight straight wins since. And the last one against Mataj Gamrod at UFC 280 made him impossible to deny the big fight. It comes here against Charles Oliveira, Ken Flo. Your thoughts on Daryush, slight favorite right now to beat the former champ. Yeah, I, and I think rightfully so. I, I've talked about this before. I think Charles Oliveira has some of the most dangerous offense in the game at 155 pounds. I, I think that offensively, he could be a big problem. He tends to hurt guys on the feet, finish them on the ground. Um I think he's facing a guy in Daryush, though, that knows a lot of those tricks on the ground. Daryush is an excellent Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt. I think defensively, he's going to be way more sound than Oliveira on the ground. Uh, There have been times where Daryush has gotten reckless. I do not think he can do that here against Charles Oliveira. He's just too good offensively, too sharp. Oliveira, I imagine, is going to be coming back very strong. Uh, and we're looking for an impressive win here as he as he gets back uh, or wants to get back to his winning ways. Um, I do think, though, this like stylistically, this is a really tough matchup going against another high level Brazilian jitsu black belt. I think Daryush is not going to not going to succumb to some of the things you've seen other guys succumb to on the ground. I, I don't think he's going to get out positioned very much. If he does, Daryush defensively knows how to get things back on track really quickly. I don't see him giving away a silly submission to Olaf. Um, I think Oliveira's best shot is probably on the feet, but he has to be very calculated here. Daryush, extremely dangerous with his hands. He's very good at timing kicks and 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 making you pay. Uh, loves to, to headhunt, and I think Oliveira's got to be very careful here. Um, I think Daryush wins here. I think he wins by decision. Wouldn't be surprised to see him get the finish here, um, but Benil has just really impressed me with his consistency. Uh, with his ability to uh, manage his pacing a lot better over the course of fights. And I think if he comes in here healthy, I think he wins. And, and I think he might even make it look great in this in this win over Oliveira, proving himself yet again as one of the best 155 pounders in the world and maybe getting that next title shot. 
masterfully done as usual, can flow. And health could be the buzzword on the Charles Oliveira side. Was forced out of this matchup last month due to an undisclosed injury. We'll see if we get more on that in the fighter meeting. But he's the former champion. He's the future Hall of Famer. And Brian Petrie, one of the biggest fights of 2023, is upon us this weekend. You go and Daryush for Charlie Olives. Such a tough fight. The only complaint about this fight is not five rounds. I would love these high-level, tighter eliminators in the co-main event to be five rounds, but I digress. Um, I have faded both these guys in their careers. I'm stupid enough to never really see. Like I was on Gamrod over Benny. I was, you know, I, I've never really been on the Darius side. He looks so good against Gamrod. He took a little time off, came back, looked at me in incredible shape. I know Gamrod landed technically a couple takedowns. But his take on the fence and what he did on the ground made me want to watch Benny Darius versus Islam because that's what Islam's so good at. That The grappling exchange be- between those two would be amazing because Benny Darius is a very strong, thick, physical guy. Great left hand. Doesn't throw a ton of volume, but like Kenny said, he's super accurate. So if he lands that left hand on Oliveira, Oliveira is going to drop like he does in every fight. Benny's not going to be afraid to fall to the ground. He'll go to the ground and be like, let's go. Like, I don't care. I'm going to finish this fight. He is a pure finisher. Uh, and I love that about him. The only knock on him in my mind, I can't get over this, is he's been a little chinny, right? He's been wobbled before. He was this close to getting put out by Jakar Close in that amazing fight. Obviously, Hernandez got him early. And if Oliveira comes in correct, his straight punches, his boxing, what we saw against Justin Gaethje was really, really dangerous. That was scary. That was a guy that hits you, and it's like a lightning bolt putting you down. I mean, Gaethje even said, he's like, I didn't feel like I was getting hit. Next thing I know, I'm on the ground. Like, he is that sharp. He did the same thing with Chandler. Uh, Incredibly tough fight to pick. I know Kenny was going to go Dariush. I'm glad that Charles Oliveira is the underdog here because I think this is a very close fight. Could go either way. I'm going to go opposite. I'm going to go underdog with Oliveira. I think it'll be a decision win as well. I don't think, you know, unless Oliveira catches him with something and knocks Benny out, I think this could be a decision. I don't think either guy's going to submit either guy. Uh, I can't wait for this fight. Super excited. Love listening to you guys break it down. And it's interesting that Gaethje quote has stuck with both of us in terms of Charles yeah. Oliveira's power when Gaethje sort of paused and talked about how much Charles hurt him in that fight. All right. Main mm-hmm. event for the undisputed UFC women's bantamweight title, Amanda Nunes minus 320. Arene Aldana is plus 265. We'll start with you, Petrie. So Nunes had five successful title defenses during her first Bantamweight reign. This is her 12th straight title fight, dating all the way back to 2016. Now, Arene Aldana was the original opponent for this date, for this title defense. Amanda was a little bit off-put when the promotion seemingly shifted to Juliana Pena. She pulled out due to a broken rib. In steps Arena Aldana. That made Nunes very happy. Of course, that made Aldana happy. And now we see what the long, big, outstanding boxer Arena Aldana can do with her first title shot in the UFC. We need to pick Brian Petrie, Amanda Nunes, yeah. or Arena Aldana for you. Uh, I, I like this fight better. No disrespect to Juliana Pena. That fight's going to happen. But if we're going to get a replacement, this is what, what five, five weeks out from when we, we got the switch? Irene Aldana deserves it. She is only getting better. She's snatching arms off her back, right? She's tall. She's lanky. She's powerful. That check left hook that she's not getting Vera out with was a thing of beauty. I love everything about it. She's nasty in there. The only knock I have on her 
is sometimes I feel like she doesn't believe her own. Like if she has a bad training camp, I think it might be like a mental thing. She gets in there, she underperforms some of her losses where she should have performed a lot better. Like she could have won, but there's something that got in her way. And I think she maybe be through that right now. I love Ray's prediction on Aldana. Ray early in the week gave a prediction on Aldana beating on Nunes. But Nunez to me just has more tools. I think a Nunez isn't the, the 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 fighter that's gonna go out there and go, oh, okay, Adonis a good boxer. I'm a good boxer. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna mix anything up. You saw what she did with Pena the second fight. Butchered her on the feet, butchered her on the ground. Nunez is very good on the ground, very good on top. The only thing with Nunez though is sometimes when things get really tough, and it's only happened twice. With Pena and with Kat Zagano many years ago, there's times where, you know, maybe the confidence isn't there. I think that's all done. I think she's in such a happy place now, having a second kid, has her own training camp, running things, a legend, the GOAT female, all that confidence stuff, that's out the window. She's a badass, and she's going to come in here, and I think she can stand with Aldana, but I think she's going to mix everything up, put the pressure on her, and uh, show off her ground game here. I like Amanda by submission. Uh, probably third round. Uh, I think it's going to be a feeling out process. Aldana's going to be strong, but right, right when we get starts, fights gets going. Uh, I see Nunes just pulling out, pulling out some kind of submission. Armbar's her, her specialty, maybe a choke. Uh, give me a uh, Amanda Nunes to retain here. And Amanda Nunes, such a strategist too, right? Has such mm-hmm. an appetite for watching film and strategizing and sticking to a game plan as she did, of course, masterfully back in the day against Felicia Spencer. I think the title fight's happening at the right time for Irene Aldana. Her confidence is through the roof. I think her career, as I have said, is methodically built to this point in time. Can Flo Aldana plus 265. Amanda Nunes minus 320. Which way are you going on the main event? Uh, I think you're muted. Sorry about that. I, I agree with a lot of what Brian said. I thought it was an excellent breakdown. I think that uh, for Amanda, if I'm looking at both these fighters, right, one of the big criteria is like, who has what weapons and, and, and what are they going to do in that fight? And I think Nunes just does have the better weapons. Now, we have seen her at, at times where maybe she didn't have the best camp, either due to injury or motivation or what have you. If she does not have a great camp, if she is not in shape, if she is not completely focused on this fight, Aldana can win. Uh, no question about it. Even if she does, I think Aldana is dangerous enough with that left hook and certain things that she does. She fights for positions really, really well. She could give uh, Nunes a tough time. But I think Nunes just has way too many skills, way too much experience at this stage of the game. So I, I don't see that upset happening unless I see something where she's walking in with some kind of a limp or something. But um, I think Aldana is a great fighter. I don't think her time is right now against someone like Amanda Nunes, though. So uh, give me Nunes. Nice. Both guys like Amanda Nunes, minus 320. Ketlin Vieta was another fighter who was in contention. You may recall she lost a split to Raquel Pennington her last time out. As such, mm-hmm. Pennington will be the backup this weekend at UFC nice. 289. All right, before we let you get out of here, Brian Petrie, is there anything yeah. else at UFC Ooh. 289 that you would like to wet your beak on? I lost last week to Lacerda. He gassed in about 40 seconds. Egg on my face. Um, I could go Orlichi Long here, the Mongolian murder, just because that guy scares me. But Cody predicted in the chat, because Cody's a sharp guy. He knows me well. I like Blake Builder here. I think Blake Builder uh, over Kyle Nelson is is the way to go. It's a little high for me to give that pick out at a minus 200. And everyone was like, oh, Brian's giving out two to ones. 
but I like him. I like him. I finish as well. I think he can get a submission. He can get a knockout. Um, yeah, give me, give me Blake, uh, give me Blake Builder here. Uh, I like. You're him. just looking for winners, whether it's minus two hundred or otherwise. All right, from Brian Petrie. He's at Brian Petrie MMA. My man, appreciate the time. We will uh, talk to you next Monday. The hits keep on coming. You boys are the best. I'll see you next week. All right. Hope everybody enjoys UFC 289 this weekend. We will be back next Monday, June 12th to recap all of it with you. Thank you all for watching on the DraftKings Network. Don't forget the show can also be accessed on the DraftKings YouTube channel. Clips as well on the Anakin Florian Podcast YouTube channel where you can also watch Bilal Muhammad's podcast. Remember the show alongside my identical twin brother, Jason Anik. Also, don't forget one more sleep. Vancouver Designs at Millions.co. And if you want more on Kenny Florian and everything that he brings to the table, which there's a lot, uh, check out KennyFlorianMartialArts.com. You can follow the show at Pod. Thanks to our executive producer, Cody Merrill and Brian Petrie. And thanks to every last one of you for watching and supporting. I cannot wait to get back to the great white north and to uh, hug and shake hands with so many of the greatest fans in all of combat sports. Uh, with that, for Kenneth Florian, John Anik, we will talk to you next Monday. Until then, you'll later. Now's a good time to remember where the story of tequila started. In 1795, the first tequila distillery was opened by the Cuervo family. And 229 years later, Cuervo is still going strong. Family owned from the start. Same family, same land. Now's a good time to enjoy Cuervo, the tequila that invented tequila. Go to Cuervo.com to shop tequila or visit a store near you. Cuervo, now's a good time. Trademarks owned by Beckless AB to CV 2024, Proximo, Jersey City, New Jersey. Please drink responsibly.